You guys, I'm excited this morning. We are uh, launching a new sermon series through the book of uh, Nehemiah. I almost said Matthew because, like, it's just habit, right? We did Matthew's song. No, we're going through the book of Nehemiah. And, um, you know, like, he- here's my uh, encouragement and my, um, uh, my, the, my, my challenge to you this morning. We, you know, we're not supposed to look at this book and go, oh, that's so nice. It's like a historical little story of something that happened thousands of years ago. And then we were just sitting here and we're like, Kelly's giving us information. And like, oh, that's really nice. No, um, the, the book of Nehemiah is really, it's a story kind of of us. Uh, what's that show? where we cry every time at the end. This is us, yeah. Um, and you know, if you've watched This Is Us, if you have like any heart inside you, uh, in this, the moment like the, the guitar starts playing really soft in that scene, um, it, it's the story about this family and it, it's just showing the reality of who they are. And Nehemiah is a little bit like that. What it is, it's a story about us as the, the people of God. And uh, so as we go and we unpackage the book of Nehemiah, um, what I want us to see is, uh, you know, I'm asking us to put on these lenses as we go through the sermon series. Sermon series, and, and to, to put lenses on of like, what, what does God think of who we are? What, how does this help us understand what God has called us to do? Um, how does this un- help us understand the, the, the necessity and the, 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 the components of what it means to be a church and what it means to be a community? Don't just look at it as, oh, this is a good story. And it's kind of, there's some parts that are really high and there's some parts that are low and maybe I'll be entertained. No, this is like for us to soak up and say, God, who have you called us to be as a community? Um, it says this, if you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah. Where's Nehemiah? It's a little kind of an obscure book in the Bible. If you kind of go to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably hit Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms. And if you go back one, you'll hit Job. Um, and then another one is Esther. Uh, and, then, and then it's Nehemiah. So if you get Take your Bible in the middle, break it in half, get the Psalms, and go back a couple books. You'll find the book of Nehemiah. And this is where we're going to start off here. Just going to read one verse, and it says this in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, or the citadel. And it says this, Nehemiah's writing this book, and it says, now it happened. And I, I, I was thinking about this this week, and seeing now it happened on 19, was it? 1998, February 14th. Uh, I married the most beautiful, amazing woman in the world. And uh, now she is the happiest, luckiest woman <laughs> in the world. And you think about this phrase, now it happened, you know, it, it's, it's telling the beginning of a story. And I, you know, I, I use the illustration of Marianne and I getting married, but the reality is I was thinking about us as a community who God's called us to be as Southlands Chino. And I was thinking, now it happened. I wrote it down just to make sure I didn't, I didn't forget. September, anybody know? Ooh, booyah. All right, September 24th, 2017, Southlands Chino had its first official Sunday morning gathering. Can you believe that? Almost two years ago, coming up, it just flew by. And I'm thinking about all the now it happened, if that's a word, and all the now it happens things that are going to take place among us. I think of 
Now it happened that so-and-so gave their life to Christ and was baptized. Uh, now it happened that you know, uh, we raised up leaders and, and people uh, uh, went from darkness into light and people uh, uh, said yes to Jesus and, and people said, no, I'm gonna surrender this area of my life. Now it happened that we, we began to slowly grow and we started to see um, people serving on, on, on the weekends and giving food to the poor and handing out turkeys. Now it happened that this and this and this and this happened. Now it happened that this person had a baby and this baby grew up older and was in the kids ministry and became a disciple of Jesus. Now it happened that this marriage got turned around because the, 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 the sweetness of the Holy Spirit ministered to them and, and laid down their pride and you know, now it happened. And I think about all the now it happens that are going to take place and it's not just me, it's not just Ryan as pastors in the church. It's not just the, the people who lead life groups. It is all of us together who get to be a part of this story, to get to be a part of this journey. And my encouragement to us this morning is there is a this is us element to this. This is us. This is who God's called us to be. Uh, we're not isolated because God points us to community. So, I want us to think of a few things as we go through this. I want to think of prayer. How do we view prayer? I want us to understand leadership. We'll see that in this book. We're going to see how we view each other in community. We just talked about that. We're also going to see how do we view opposition and the enemy, and he comes against us. How do we view God, and how do we view revival and the mission that God has given us? That word revival, you know, sometimes we hear it and we're like, it becomes this Pentecostal word, right? You ever heard the word revival in a church? And it's like the, the, the idea of revival is like all these people are start doing weird stuff and freaking out and falling on the ground and like everybody hears about it and makes weird noises. No, revival is when the spirit of God comes upon a community and people repent from their sin and they turn to God and they glorify him and there's an awareness of God among them, a heightened awareness of God among them. I'm praying for a revival, not, not just in the city, but also just in our community, that the, us as a, as a people would have a, a spirit of revival and long for more of God in our lives. So as we walk through this book, I'm hoping that we, we start to see these things and they start to become alive in us. You know what I really hope for in this is that the idea of us and them isn't a thing anymore. The idea of, oh, that's for the professional Christians, and this is for like the regular Christians. The professional Christians are the one who, who do all the, the Christian stuff and do all the church stuff, and the, the regular kind of Christians who come on Sunday, you know, we just kind of chill and do our own thing. I, I'm hoping that what God helps us understand that is that there's no such thing as professional Christians, right? Just because I, I'm a pastor in the church, I'm not a professional Christian. Nah, uh, you know, I'm, God hasn't called me to, to do all the work. God has called us all to do all the work together, all right? And that's where we're headed. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give us a little bit of context because if we don't try to give some context to the book of Nehemiah, it feels we, we won't see the big picture. So if you have your Bible, turn one book back to the, the book of Ezra. Um, a lot of scholars, a lot of theologians would say these books are actually written together. 
And if you, if you do read them, you, you see how you can't really separate the two. And so we're, we don't have time to go through Ezra and Nehemiah, but what we do want to do is give us some context and so a little bit of foundation. So Ezra, chapter 1, verse 1 through uh, verse 4, we're going to read the first four verses, and this is what it says. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Now, let's just hold on a second there. Jeremiah, who's that? He's a prophet, Old Testament prophet. And Jeremiah, what he did is he prophesied over the nation of Israel that destruction and exile was coming by the hand of God. Why? because the nation of Israel was turning away from God. They were worshiping false idols. They were, they were, they were adopting the ways of the world, so to speak. Man, kind of similar, nothing new under the sun, right? And so what Jeremiah, God's con- consistently in telling Jeremiah, tell the nation of Israel to repent, but don't just, don't just tell them just to repent, but warn them that destruction is coming, all right? So when Ezra and Nehemiah are talking about, this is the, the back story of what we're understanding is that Jeremiah has prophesied years before and then lo and behold, what happens is Israel follows the way of destruction. God comes, he disperses them, allows Jerusalem to be destroyed. The walls are burnt down, the, the temple's broken. And so that's where our context is. So it says this, uh, by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. And this is what it said. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, of all, uh, sorry, whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of this place with silver and gold, with goods and with a beast besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So we have this exile, we have uh, Babylon comes in, destroys Jerusalem, and then Ezra and Nehemiah happen some years later. Jeremiah's prophesied it, it takes place. Ezra gets this revelation from God and even the king of Persia says go now and and rebuild and so they start to be rebuilt but they only rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem now skip forward to Nehemiah this is where we're at now Nehemiah comes in the temple's been rebuilt but this is what happens now all right so this is where we pick up on our story you guys doing okay a lot of nerdy history stuff happening there but it's kind of important that we know that so Ezra Ezra starts rebuilding, he rebuilds the temple, and then we get to Nehemiah chapter one, and we see that the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year when I was in Susa, the capital, that Han and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem, and they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you disperse, be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power, by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. All right, so let's, whoo, let's unpackage this. That's a lot of reading. Man, what a, uh, such a great prayer that we read, that we see there. So what we're gonna do this morning is I'm just gonna give us some truths that we see here. First of the situation of Nehemiah, but then what I want us to focus on at the end is the prayer of Nehemiah, okay? So let's just get right into it and let's look at a couple truths that I think we need to pay special attention to as we look at this first chapter. So first one is that Nehemiah was exactly where God wanted him to be. Look at this in verse one. Uh, is that where I mean? Yeah, verse one. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Haggai, now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the capital. Now, where is Susa? Why is this important? Why, well, I mean, none of us understood, like, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Nehemiah was at this place. Well, this is the, it's like, it's like the Washington, D.C. of America, okay? Uh, Persia is the, is the, the, is the strongest nation historically at the time. Whatever happens in Persia, it's like, you know, like LA and New York, like we were just talking with my kids the other day, like how short shorts are coming back in for kids, like for boys. I remember in the 80s, remember OP? Remember OP? I remember I used to wear these OP shorts and they were like super high, right? And it was okay because I was just a little kid, but that was the style back then and it's so weird how styles come back into style, right? You like, you tell your kids like, that's only gonna last for so long, or I wore that when I was 10, or you know, this. anyways, I don't know where I'm going with this, except for the fact that styles come back in, and the reason why these styles come back in is because, man, everybody in LA is wearing them. Everybody in New York wears it, so everybody does it, and then as New York goes, so does the nation. As LA goes, so does the nation, right? And it's the same thing here in Persia, and Nehemiah just happens to be in the, the capital city of Persia, and he happens to just be the cupbearer. Now, why is this important for us? And when I'm saying, hey guys, it's not just about us and them, you and them, or me and you, it's about all of us. This is the story of us. The reason why I think this is important for us to understand 
is because God has a Southlands Chino exactly where he wants us. I don't know if you remember this. I can't remember what I was preaching on a couple months ago, but I said, hey guys, look down at your feet. And um, I said, just look, this is where you are. You can't be anywhere else. And by God's providence, you and I, maybe somebody invited you and you started sticking around. Maybe, maybe you got even more involved and you're serving on a Sunday and you're, you're involved in a life group or a serve team, etc. And you think, man, I'm just doing this because this is like the thing to do. No, I want to encourage you this morning. The reason why you're here is because God has you here on purpose. Man, you guys smell those burgers joining yeah. in? <laughs> <laughs> That's why <right>. Ryan's here. <laughs> it's God's providence that God placed Nehemiah, a man after God, in the position that he was, in the place where he was, at the time where he was. Why? Because now it happened. Why? Because there was a great work. And here's another thing I want us to mention or look at verse two. Uh, It says, Han and I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Um, Why is this important? What are you talking about, Kelly? It's just the, the brother comes up and tells them something. You know what's interesting is, while Nehemiah is providentially living in the the city, in the capital city of Persia, his brother comes up to him and mentions something and his life totally drastically changes in this moment. His life takes, this this news brings a a total change, a total transformation in his life. And when I I read this uh, this week, this perked up in my ears and in my eyes and in my spirit, I said, God, We could be going through our motions. We could be doing what we're doing. We could be comfortable with where we are. We we are doing in and out, the day of of working in and out, the job. We get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, et cetera, et cetera, and we in and out of day. But what we often don't do sometimes is realize that God is trying to get our attention, and he's saying, I have you in a specific time and place for this. And all it can take is maybe the brother coming up and say, hey, did you hear about that? And you kind of go, well, that's not my job. That's not my problem. But when we have this understanding that God's called us all together and we hear news about something's happening at Southlands Chino and you go, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of being a part of what's happening in the city. I want to be a part of making disciples. I want to be a part of making much of Jesus. That's not just Ryan's job to do that. That's my job. And when I hear that news, it changes me. And when I hear that news, I say, man, how can I step up? How can I be a part of that, right? Let me me ask you the question this morning. Are you interruptible? Is your life interruptible? Uh, A couple weeks ago, we were going through the fast. And the last night of the fast, a guy named Nick Fox gets up and he he, he prophesies over uh, a Southlands general in, in the church. And he talks about He talked about many things and encouraging us, but one of the things was, I remember just specifically, he said, are you interruptible? Are you living a life that where you're going in day in and day out and doing the things, but God can speak to you, God can use somebody in your life and say, hey, are you aware of this? And you say, God, open my life, open my heart. Jesus was the same way, right? Jesus would walk along, 
Jesus was doing his thing. He was on a mission. He was going toward Jerusalem. And what would happen is somebody all along the way would say, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did all the disciples do? Get, get out of here. Get out of here. You're, you're, you're really annoying and it's really awkward what you're doing. Jesus is, a, you know, Jesus is on a mission. And Jesus, what would he do? He would turn and he would have mercy. You guys, this isn't a us and them. This is all of us being interruptible, being all on mission. And then um, verses three through four, let's read that together. It says this, and they said to me, the remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. In verse four, look at this. Look at Nehemiah's response. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down, and what did he do? He wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And man, I would hope, I would hope that as we grow in our usness, that's a word, it's totally a word, okay? Um, as we grow in our community, as we grow in us saying, no, God's called us all together. That there would be this empathy for each other, that there would be this desire, that it wouldn't just be Kelly said so, Ryan said so on a Sunday morning, or I know this is a, it would be like a, a deep desire in our heart, and it would call us to react even emotionally. If, if someone's suffering in this church, we all suffer. If someone's celebrating in this church, we all celebrate. I mean, Ryan and I, were, we, we met together this week and we started praying for somebody. And as we were praying for this person, man, I just, I'd like deep emotions started coming over my heart and I was like, felt tears welling up in me. Why? Because it's, it's the empathy of God because we're brothers and sisters together on mission. And I would hope that that is the same for all of us here in this room. We're all together. When I cut, you bleed. It's like that weird, if you remember the 80s cartoon with G.I. Joe, that weird twins brothers who want, anyways, okay, I went way off there. Don't, don't do that. So, Kelly, you're, you're exhorting us this morning. You're saying, hey, you're calling us to be a church that's all together. You're calling us, you're saying Nehemiah is a story of us. You're saying there's, there's a great work to be done. And Kelly, what you're doing is you're encouraging and saying, hey, don't, don't look at the church as like, I'll just kind of show up and do my part. That's my part by showing up. What you're calling me to, Kelly, is you're saying, no, this is an ownership. This is a family. This is a community. And what you're saying, I think what I hear you're saying is like, if I don't participate, the hole is not there. There's, there's holes and there's going to be areas that need to be plugged. And you're encouraging me this morning to say, no, this is my family. Don't, don't look at, at church as a Sunday morning event. Look at it as a community that you belong to and a community that you give yourself to. You're absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. But I, what I want us to now look at specifically is the response of Nehemiah. Because you can hear this and say, okay, that's great. And maybe you're encouraged or maybe you're like, ugh, another sermon about how I need to get involved. I don't know, wherever you're at on this, what I'm asking for this morning is allow the Holy Spirit to bring a right view of this. And the best way that we can do that is looking here now what Nehemiah does. And that is that he prays. Man, as a pastor in this church, if I knew 
that we were all saying, oh yes, I'm given to the mission. That would make me happy. It totally would. Don't do it to make me happy. But what I'm saying is, if everyone here in this church who called Southlands Chino home was like, yes, this is my church. What can I do? I'll be involved no matter what. But you know what would make me more happy and I think pleases the heart of God? Is that we say yes, but then we pray. We pray about it. We pray through it. We pray in it. And that's Nehemiah's response. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give us how many points? I'm going to give us three points, of course, on Nehemiah's prayer. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I've asked three different people to come up. I'm going to, I'm going to preach the, the point on prayer, and then I've asked somebody specifically to come up and pray that for us. Is that okay? And one reason why I want to do that is so this person is praying this on our behalf, but two... It's not just an example for us to see. I want us to all own this together as this person prays for us in these ways, all right? So number one is you'll, well, I'll just put all three of them. I think they're up there. Uh, all three of them is we, we're gonna see a proper view of God. There it is. Number two, we're gonna see a proper view of ourself. And number three, we're gonna see a proper request. Now, what I don't want to do this morning is say this is the uh, magic uh, formula for good prayer, okay? There is no magic formula for good prayer. There is no, you know, like if I do this, this, and this, then God will answer my prayer the way I want him to. That's not how Christianity works. That's how religion works. But Christianity is a relationship with God. But I do want to, however, say that this is a really great way to pray. It is a healthy and mature way to pray. Is, all right, so let's just unpackage these. So starting in verse five, this is what it says. Where does it say in verse five? Let me find it here. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You see Nehemiah, he's heartbroken, he's fasting, He's moved to action, but he's moved to action in prayer. And where does he start his prayer with? He starts it with a proper view of God. Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because if God never ceases to be who God is, why does it matter why we understand who God is? Because when we pray, we're, we're, we're telling the truths of who God is really often to ourselves. You know, what, what we do is we pray Sunday mornings uh, at 9.20. Is that what time we pray? We get together, we pray. The teams who are, are serving on that Sunday morning, whoever, whoever's here, it says we, we gather in, in the room behind us here, um, and we get together at 9.20, and often, very often, the way we start our prayer is, let's just pray the truths of who God is. Let's Let's worship God. Let's declare. Why? Because God has somehow got amnesia about who he is. Like he's somehow like for, or he's insecure. Like, tell me, tell me all the good things about myself, right? Do you love me? Oh, oh, I haven't heard you say it for a while. No, it's not that God's insecure. It's not that God forgets the truth of who he is. It's because we forget, because what we do is we look at circumstances, we hear a report of the walls have been burned down, the gates have been burned to the ground, and we get depressed, and we think, oh my goodness, my circumstances have somehow dictated me the truth of who God is, but that is not the truth. The truth is that God does not change no matter what my circumstances are. 
No matter how sick or healthy I feel, no matter how great my relationships are or how strained they are, no matter how busting at the seams my bank account is or how meager it feels, God does not change. And so when we come to him in prayer, we should do like Nehemiah and we declare the truth of who God is. God, thank you that you are this, this, and this, and this. You know what I learned a beautiful, we uh, took some guys through systematic theology. Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Excellent book. I did it with a a group of guys, a group of five guys for a year. We met, not the restaurant, we we met every Monday night and we met together for like two hours and we went chapter by chapter. It took us over a year because there's like 56 chapters. And one of the things I remember about the truth of who God is is that God is all of who he is all of the time. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't like one day, uh, okay, today I feel very justice filled. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna like be very full of justice. And tomorrow I'm not gonna be really full of justice. I'm gonna be more full of just mercy. And so if we believe that God is somehow in a certain kind of mood one day and a certain kind of mood and he walks in the door and you're like, is dad in a good mood? Can I tell him I broke the door? Uh, I'll wait later. No, that's not how God is. God is always all of who he is all of the time. And so God is full of justice. God is full of mercy. God is both strong and loving. He does not all of a sudden his love comes and he just lets us do whatever we want. And then one day he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. He is strong and loving. All right, so who's coming up first to pray? Is it Jeff? Jeff, where are you at, brother? Let me hand this mic. And will you, I don't know how well or bad Jeff's going to pray right now, okay? No pressure. <laughs> but here's my encouragement to us. Let's, let's like, yes, God, when Jeff's praying, like, yes, Lord, that's what we want. Yes, God, we, we agree with you. Let's, let's get behind these prayers, okay? And if you're not a, like, a vocal kind of prayer, I, I love the kind of prayer where, like, yeah, amen. I love that kind of stuff, all right? Go for it. You can get Pentecostal. That's right. If you want to wave a hanky, that's okay. But if you're more the inward, like, like it's doing something deep in you, that's cool. But whatever you are, let's say yes and amen to these prayers, all right? So lead us, brother. Thank you. All right. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning because it's all about you. Yes, we just God. pray uh, to, to write our hearts, yes, to remind God. ourselves of the truths of who you are yeah. um, so that we can, we can come before you and know who we are, but also so we can know the authority of who you yes, are. Um, because the truth is you are the ultimate creator of all. Yes. You are the alpha and the omega. Yes. You are the beginning and the end. Yes, um, you are a God that, that not, there's not a single atom in creation that doesn't spin without your authority Amen. upon it. Yes, so we you, thank God. you that you are the ultimate authority upon everything. Yes, that are. evil has no place in your face. Right. Um, that darkness does not stand against you, um, that the devil isn't uh, an equal, um, but you are so much more than that, Father. And we just pray these things because our hearts don't realize it. And Mm -hmm. so we... We just turn to you again yeah. and declare that, that it is all for you, yes. um, that we count it all as loss yes. um, because of who you are, that That's you right. are a God of mighty uh, power and authority. Yes. You have parted waters. You have raised the Thank dead. God. You have healed yes, the yeah. blind and the yes. sick. Um, you have done all these marvelous things. 
and yet the most marvelous thing you ever did was a, a, an act of compassion and Thank love to lay down your life for Thank us. You God. And so we just declare that, that we Thank are yours, yes. um, that you are strong yes, and you compassionate are. at the same time, yes, Father, um, that you. on the cross when you uh, were in a state of ultimate weakness, you were also in a place of ultimate strength. Yeah. Um, so we just dedicate this to you, Father. Yes. Ride our hearts. Um, let us view you in the beauty and glory the, of yeah. who you are. Yeah. Amen. Well done, brother. Amen. Well done. All right, Jeff, you could, you could do that. That was a good one. Woo! Did it. Good job, bro. I mean, like, here's the thing. When we pray the truth of who God is, doesn't it, like, just shift your heart? Like, if you're having a woe is me kind of season in life, if life is particularly hard, pray the truth of who God is. And I love that it, it just gets all the lies of the enemy out of our head. It gets all the woe is me. Out of it. When my perspective is the truth of who God is, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be all right. I know it, Ryan has been saying something over the past couple of weeks. He says, God is responsible for, is that what you've been saying? God's responsible for me. If that's true, who else better to have responsible for you than God of the universe? I mean, we could camp out here, but we're running out of time, so it's all y'all's fault for getting me all riled up. All right, so we talk about a proper view of God, and, and then in here we see in verses six through seven, a proper view of self. A proper view of self. What does Nehemiah pray when he has a proper view of self? He says this in verse six through seven, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel. Now, we could be tempted just to go, oh yeah, let's pray about the sins of other people, <laughs> right? But he doesn't stop there, which we have sinned against you. And then here it is, even I and my father's house have sinned. Verse seven, we have acted very corruptly against you and, not have, and, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Why is this important when we're praying to have a proper view of self? Because what it does is it, it humbles us. It, it gets our eyes away from the fact that sometimes we think somehow we are the answer to our own prayers. You know how you don't really pray, uh, believe this prayer? is when you pray to God about a certain circumstance for 30 seconds, and then 30 seconds after the prayer, you go and try to make it happen yourself. Anybody guilty of that? I know I am. We think somehow that we are the answer to our own prayer, and the first thing is, oh, I'm a good Christian, so I need to throw this up to God and ask him, but it's not happening in my time or the way I want it to, and so therefore... I gotta be the answer to my own prayer. No, we need to understand that when we come to God, God's the only answer. We're the ones that bring no nothing to the table. We're completely and utterly dependent on God and his power. Does he empower us? Does he give us good gifts? Does he give us talents and abilities? Completely and totally and yes and amen. Thank you God for that truth. But without God, we are nothing. And Nehemiah understands that. And he says, God, you've called us to this great work, but we've sinned. 
We're not perfect. We can't do it on our own, on our own strength. We've, we've turned away from you. And God, so we repent. We turn back to you, God. We, we ask that you would, you would forgive us of our sin and that you would be the answer, not our own selves, not our own strengths, not our own abilities. And Nehemiah prays a good prayer. Shane, where are you at? Shane's gonna lead us in praying through a proper view of self. All right, you got a lot of big shoes to fill after Jeff, so. It's because he's taller. Yeah, that's right. Lead us, brother. Uh, Father, uh, we are in desperate need of you, God. Um, Apart from you, we could do nothing, God. Each and every one of us has gone astray, Lord. We have, uh, we have all sinned, Lord. We have turned from yeah. the righteous way that you have laid out before us to walk and to live, Lord. We are so easily bent on mm. being the captain of our own ship yeah. and wanting to, to right things ourselves apart from you, Lord God, yeah. and to even do your work apart from you, Lord. And yeah. uh, we, we simply can't. Uh, we depend on your sufficiency your sufficiency, yes, Lord God. God. Yes, God. We are in need of you every minute of every day, yes, Lord God. Lord. Help to break the pride of our hearts, yes, Lord God, God, that often wants to rise up and uh, lead us to do things in our own strength, in yeah. our own way, Lord God. Yeah. Um, we, we simply can't uh, live this life apart from you, Lord God, and, and we, we depend upon your righteousness. We as Kelly said, we bring nothing to it, Lord. We, we can offer nothing but obedience to you and laying yes, our life down. And yeah. it is, uh, it is the, the strength and the power and the, the sufficiency of Christ that, that we trust in and that we lean on and that, that uh, we desire for each and every one of us. And I just pray for a posture of repentance yes, daily, sir. Lord yes, God, God, that we would turn from ourselves and from whatever we think we could do in our own might to trust in you and yeah. your greatness. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Well done, bro. Well done, buddy. Well done. Last one is a proper request. We, we, we want to start off saying, God, this is the truth of who you are. It's a proper view of God. And then a proper view of ourselves and what we see Nehemiah do here in such a great way is give us a proper understanding of what we should and how we should ask. And he says this in verses eight through nine, remember the word that you commanded, that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your dispersed be under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. There's so much rich truth in this declaring a proper request. I mean, you see Nehemiah, he's, he's agreeing with what God has, has said. He's agreeing with the will of God. And, but then at the same time, he's reminding, so to speak, what God had already promised. He, he's, it's not that God forgets, but he's saying, God, I know that you've said this, and so I'm gonna pray according to your will. The things that you've already said you will do, that you said you will be faithful in doing, I'm gonna pray according to that. I mean, how often do we pray just according to our own will and our own desires? Is it wrong to say, God, please bless me? No, that is something we should be doing. 
We should be asking God for his blessing. We should be asking, but why? A lot of times it's really selfish things. Or, or we just want that thing, our flesh desires it. And we, we might scuff off on a hiffy or a tiff or just feel like God doesn't hear us or he doesn't answer our prayers because we prayed that what the Bible talks about is praying amiss. We prayed something according that, that's not according to the will of God. I, I heard a preacher say a while ago, he goes, you know, when I was younger, I thought God would often answer my prayers with no. And the older I've gotten and the, more lo- the longer I've been a Christian, I see that God answers my prayers with yes. And you're like, wait, what are you talking about? And he was saying, it's not because I'm a better prayer. It's not that I, uh, you know, I, I convince God as I've gotten older, I've learned how to like somehow manipulate God into, he said, it's because God's worked in me and the things that I pray now are according to God's will. And the more I pray according to God's will, the more that he says, yes, I want to do what I've said. And some of us are like, well, God never answers my prayer, and he's always saying no, and I want to say, well, what are you praying for? Are you, you know, oh, he's really cute, God. You know I really want him to be my husband. And God's like, well, he's not a believer, but he's really cute. How come God's always saying no? How come God never lets me win the lottery? Because he knows you're going to spend it on yourself. And you won't desire, you won't need anything from him anymore. Your money will fulfill all your needs. And God says no. I want to win the lottery, I do. So <laughs> that would be nice. Lori's going to come up and lead us in prayer for a proper request. And this is, man, let's just humble our hearts and ask God to help us. Lord, in a room like this, God, many of us have, uh, life has had its way. The Mm. enemy has ravaged us. Mm. And we sometimes can get so focused on that, that our prayers are just to stop the pain. And Mm. we can't see beyond our own need, Lord God. We need you, God, to come and help us to take off the grave clothes. Yes, God. To quit living as if we are continually victims. And yes, like, like there is Like as if you don't do anything on our mm. behalf. Oh, God, beautiful. you indeed are the all-sufficient one. Yes, you are. Every, yeah. Everything we need, you have. Yes. You have prepared for us. You have made a way for us. Yeah. You've made a way of escape. You've Thank provided you. healing. Yes. God, help us to enter into that. Help us to believe those things, yes, God. Lord. So that we can begin, Lord God, to see the big picture. Yes, to begin God. to see that you do have a greater purpose and that we would begin to have the mind of Christ, the yes, heart of God. Christ. Yes, Help God. us to love the things that you love and to care about the things that you care yes, about God. and to move above and beyond our circumstances. Yes, God, that our circumstances will not any longer dictate to us right. how we live, yes. how we think, yes. how we feel. That's right. God, because you are who you say you are. Yes, you are. And so today, God, I just pray that we would choose to invest our faith again and to mm. believe God, that you are taking care of us. Just as yes, they shared God. this morning, you got this. Yes. You love us. You, yes. you are taking care of us. We have to live as if that's true yes. and begin to do and be about our Father's work. Yeah. Be about the kingdom, the yes, kingdom God. work, Lord God. Yes, God. That we would take our place at the wall. Yes. That we would begin to listen to your voice and yes. to see what it yes, is God. that you have for us to do. Yes, God. God, so that we can begin to 
see the lost come to, to know you, yes, God. There's a Jesus. lot of people yes, out God. there that need you. And so, yes, God, help us to pray those prayers. Yes, God. Help us to think about that, but not of our own volition, but yes. of what you're speaking to us, yeah. showing us who to go to, yes, showing God. us who to pray for yes. and what to do and how to live, God. Yeah. So we, we come to you, God, and yeah. just submit to your will, yes, to your purposes, yes, your kingdom come, yes, your will be done yes, on earth as it is yeah. in heaven. In Jesus' name yeah. we pray. Amen. 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 Come on. Man, good prayers. I, I picked the right people to pray. <laughs> good job, guys. Um, I just want to end with this about prayer. I know, I know we run a little long. I've been saying that the past three weeks, so... This is a really hard verses to try to get through in 35 minutes. Okay. Here's what we don't know about this story yet. We're going to see it, but we don't know it yet. And I'm going to give you a little spoiler, all right? It took 52 days to rebuild the wall. 52 days. But we don't know this. Nehemiah prays and fasts and prays and fasts for 120 days before they start building. We look at ver chapter one and we go, oh, it was like, that took about as long as Kelly took to read it because it's recorded there. So he, he said this prayer, somebody wrote it down, he wrote it down, this is what I prayed, and then, all right, I'm gonna get to work because I just prayed, I did a thing, I did what I was supposed to do, I had a proper view of God, I had a proper view of self, and I had proper requests, so I prayed the right prayer and now we're gonna do it. No, he prayed this prayer 120 days before they actually started to build the wall. And a lot of you guys are going, mm, why? Because what we often do is we just do this thing. I prayed, okay, I'm gonna get on with my day. And we just kind of forget that God is all of these three things that we just worked through. And my encouragement to us, church, Southlands, Chino, this is us. This is what God has called us to. If you're saying, hey, do I have a part to play? The answer is, yep, yes, you do, okay? There's not, there, there is no such, no such thing as a church where God says not everyone needs to be a part of what's happening. That's not in the Bible. The only thing you see in scripture, only thing you see is where the church says, I'm a part of the community, where has God called me to build? That's it. And I'm encouraging us, I'm imploring you this morning. And if you've been sitting on the fence a little bit, if you've been just a Sunday morning gatherer where you're kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm, will you step out in faith? But will you do it through prayer? Will you say, okay, God's called me to do this, but will you saturate it in prayer? I'm not saying, should I serve? I'm not saying pray whether you should serve. The answer, I can answer that right now. The answer is yes, okay? That's like a kid saying, dad, should I lie? Well, go pray about it. No, you shouldn't lie, okay? Here's what he ends with in verse 11. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And then he says this, give success to your servant today grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He's about to go to the king. He's about to go ask the king for stuff so he can rebuild the wall. And Nehemiah steps up. The brother comes, tells him this is what's happening. Yeah, 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 but I'm just the cupbearer. 
yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm enjoying life here in the Citadel. Uh, this is really cool, cushy, and I get all the good stuff of being uh, hanging out with the king. Uh, I'm really trusted in the kingdom. If I go and do this, it's going to mess all that up. No, 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 no. There's a part for us all to play. He hears word. The gates are burned. The walls are burned. I'm going to step up. And Southlands, if you aren't stepping up, you're not living in the will of God. Time is to rise up. Will you stand with me this morning? Let's, uh, let's get to it this morning. Let's, let's go to the tables in communion. Let's break bread together as a family. And, you know, there's always so much truth inside what communion is. If we were to take it this morning and just say, God, thank you for the, the, the forgiveness of sin and the, the, the expiation. Remember we talked about that last time? Uh, we, God, we, we, we thank you so much for what this means for me personally. But here's the beauty of what I, how I want us to do this this morning. I want to say, God, thank you that your body took on my, my sin and your blood washed away my sin so that I could be the this is us in this church. So that there doesn't have to be an us in them so that we can all be in unity together, so that we have one common vision and purpose and mission to make much of you Jesus and to make disciples of the city. And, and the reason why we're able to do that through your body is because there might, have been, there might have been like awkwardness relationally between me and this person, but thank you, God, that you have come and you completely broken that down. Thank you, God, that I can stand with somebody who's different than me or somebody who's really similar to me, but there's, it doesn't matter that because in Christ, we're all one, we're all brothers and sisters. And so as we go to the tables this morning, let's thank God for the call that he's given us locally in this body, but be able to do it together in unity. Can we do that together? All right, so I'll pray for us and then we'll go to the tables. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that this all comes back to you. Thank you for the mission that you've given our church. Thank you that we're not called to just gather on a Sunday morning and go our way through the week, but that, Lord, you have given us a mission. Help us to stand up. Help us to rise up. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be together on a mission to make much of you, Jesus. And as we go to the tables, we do this with gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts this morning. Amen.